What's good, y'all? I am Josh So Focused. I'm French, the bro host, and we would like to welcome you to the Next Take Pod, the Next, the Next, the Next Take Podcast. This is episode 44. And this is a weekly podcast where we cover the most intriguing Knicks news of the week. And if you want to find us on our socials, you could check us out first on Twitter at the Next Take. Then go to YouTube and search Nick's Take Videos. And if you'd rather follow on Instagram, you can find us at The Nick's Take. Last, you can check us out on Facebook at Nick's Take Media. Now, before we get into our regular usual, I want to apologize about the last podcast. We tried to do just a little bit too much. And we ended up not being able to release per our usual standards. New episode should be up right about now by the time you're hearing this. So if you have not been able to listen to last week's podcast, it is available now. Go back, check it. It should be in your in your feed. And then come back and listen to the rest of this podcast. Otherwise, if you've already heard it, just wanted to give you a little bit of explanation as to what went on. Now, without further ado, French. My brother, how you? are you? And how was your week? My week was same old, same old. I spent the week mostly just watching Nick's media anywhere I could find it, anything that would give me an inkling of news of the off-season plans. And we're we going to get into it later. We got eliminated from the playoffs this week, so i just been looking into draft prospects and seeing, like, who we could add to this roster that'll really be, huh? I said you just now starting that. Starting what the draft prospects? Yeah, I've been into the season. I I, I couldn't really look into the draft because I'm thinking like there's still a chance we make the play in, so we ain't gonna get a great a great pick. But now we have a we have odds to land in the top four. So I'm gonna look. I'm a I'm a I'm a look now. I'm gonna pay attention now. There's a there's a few guys that I like, and I'm hoping that we could be one of those teams that jump from the back of the lottery to the top four. It happens every year, so I'm just I'm, I'm I don't know. I'm hyped up now. What about oh, you? Well, How was your week? So it's been a very interesting week. <laughs> Very interesting because, first of all, I started off with this whole Will Smith stuff. (laughs) And I spent like a whole evening when I should have been sleeping, kind of just like, is this real? Can this really be real? Is this really happening? Will Smith smacking Chris Rock. I spoke to our mom about it the next morning. She didn't see it live. She, She actually didn't even know anything about it until I brought it up. We had a conversation about it. <laughs> we had a conversation, long conversation about it. Why I showed her some clips. I show I showed her the slap. I showed her I showed her all the angles. I showed her the speech. <laughs> and so that yeah, that that 
you know, outside of Nick's land, that that is that was very interesting. Um, week. <laughs> no, it did cover a lot of the honestly, like everyone's phone. It, it 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 yeah, like it dominated the week for real. Outside of that, just regular trying to get back into the swing of things, back to work regular, trying to lose some of this COVID slash. Uh, being out of work, being unable to use my hand weight. And I had COVID. We we addressed me having COVID however many podcasts ago. I I put on weight since then. Oh, I'm thinking you're talking about, I'm thinking you're talking about in this week you've been sick. No, no, I'm saying, I'm saying I've been trying to lose weight. And... Mm -hmm. Yesterday, me and our mom took our my children to go look at some schools. So, you know, very very busy week. I got and I'm gonna have another very busy week this this upcoming week too. But otherwise, it's been good. You know? you know, outside of you know things going on with the Knicks, as you said, we've been knocked out of playoff contention, which we'll talk about later. But pretty interesting week. So let's cover what um, we did last episode. So, yep. Sorry. You know, on last episode, we covered the Knicks losing a nail biter in Brooklyn before going on a win against Portland and Washington Wizards. There were some things and, that you wanted to address last episode that you didn't get to. Yeah. Last episode, I kind of wanted to talk about this meme I showed you saying RJ was number two in points scored since the All Star game. And you were like, according to who? And I looked it up and the numbers that they posted were right. Obviously the numbers had changed. And that's the thing though, with those, with those things, like after one game, that's no longer like as soon as two other teams play, like, yeah, you probably were number two. He probably was number two when they, that, when that meme was made. And then he was no longer number two, like an hour later at the last check. And that's probably wrong right now. Cause it's been a couple of days since I checked. He was eighth. At 475 total points. This is not to- this is not points per game. This is total points scored since the All Star game. So I just wanted to give RJ his his props, his little shout out for that. And I wasn't hating on RJ by saying according to who. I just see a whole lot of Twitter stat accounts that some of them is not real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure the stat is real before we praise. Yeah, so. and it's easy to look. Look, that kind of stat up. Total points since All-Star Game. Like, NBA.com has done really good as far as you being able to parse out stats and and look at specific stats and, you know, based pre-All-Star Game, after All-Star Game, last month, last two months. Like, NBA stats is is probably one of the best at if you want to look for a specific stat and look to see a group of people who do that, NBA.com is good. But anyway. It, without further ado, let's start getting into these games. So, in those last games from the last pod, we talked about how good our Knicks looked without one Julius Randle. And I was excited. And then I turned on the Pistons game, and guess who's starting, y'all? Everyone's favorite, Julius 
Randall. And I tried to hold out high hopes. I said, maybe, maybe Julius will come back after watching these few games that we've prospered without him. We only lost one of the games that he did not play. And we looked really good in the other two. And maybe he's going to come in and he's going to try to do, he's going to try to play more like Obi Toppin and less like Julius Randle. I was, nah, no, <laughs> that didn't happen. That didn't happen at all. Randall came back and was getting cooked by Marvin Bagley left and right, up and down and all around this game. Marvin Bagley finished with 27 points on 11 for 14 shooting. And it wasn't just Marvin Bagley who cooked Julius Randle, by the way, but that was his main defender. And, you know, Julius, he had himself an okay night also, but he, yeah, he, he, mm, Marvin, he made Marvin Bagley look special. Really looked early like the Knicks outside of Julius were trying to keep the momentum going from the last few games. And the bench trickled in. The Knicks lead extended. The Knicks went up by 19 points after an amazing Obi Toppin reverse dunk in the second quarter. That dunk was nice. It was, yeah. It was, it was really probably the only note from this game that I really took because I'm trying to limit all my notes, try to point out the just the special points in a game. But there weren't really a lot of special points in this game that I can recall. That was the one I thought we were going to blow him out. I was like, all right, even though Julius is playing like ass on defense, this team still looks locked in all together. It looked like they're still playing with the same kind of energy. And then the second half happened. Actually, before the second half even happened, because midway through the second quarter, you know, after the team looking at its best with best with RJ Barrett leading the bench unit, Julius came back out on the court, and it started to look a little different. Pistons took what was a 21-point lead in the second quarter, which, I'll be fair, Julius came back in when it was 19 points. It went up to 21 with him on the, on the court, like, a couple minutes later. But then that lead just started slowly trickling away, trickling away, going into the single digits. And then it was cut to two points in the third quarter. Julius was in for that entire stretch from the second quarter to when he came out in the third quarter. It wasn't two points when he came out, but he he it was two points while he was still on the court. Sounds very familiar. Sounds like a lot of Knicks games that was lost in the third quarter when Julius Randle and that starting unit came out in the second half. With new life, the Pistons kept pushing, but were never able to clear that hump and retake the lead. After a few late ties, which, let me be clear, this was a game. Like, this was a game that the Knicks could have lost the way that they've lost many other games. But after a few late ties, the Pistons pushed the Knicks into the final seconds of the game. Alec Burks came up with two clutch plays. Alec Burks, Burks, much maligned by you people. A lot of people. And listen, I'm one of those people who like, yo, trade Alec Burks because he does need to get traded, but not because he's been playing trash, just because if we need to see what Quentin Grimes does, Cam Reddish, blah, blah, blah. Not because he's he's starting at point guard and, and, and not playing the game that he could play. But Alec Burks is good. And I 
If it's not Alec Burks, it's got to be Evan Fournier. One of them got to get traded, but not because of his play. He has won us many games. What were you about to say, French? I was going to say, I don't think people really hate Alec Burks, the player. It's just Alec Burks, that point guard that people are just tired of seeing. And if we just, I don't know, I guess he does have to get traded as a result of this because we just have too many players at that wing position anyway. So him being off the team is going to open up a spot for Cam next year. I don't necessarily want, I don't necessarily want him gone. Just like I don't necessarily want Evan Fournier gone, but one of them does need to go. I like, I, I I've tried to try to figure out how we can keep both of them, but I genuinely believe this team will operate so much better when they're both on the bench. And if they're both on the bench, we're still not going to see the best version of this team because we have too many young players. So it's either one of them needs to get traded or we need to trade one of our young pieces for a star or a much better version of what we have in those young players. Because there's no way that you're going to tell me that Evan Fournier, Alec Burks, Quentin Grimes, Deuce McBride, Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, Cameron. You're not going to tell me all of those guys are going to play under this coach. Derek Rose, right? Plus like whoever we draft. I'm not even thinking about whoever we draft. As it is now, it, it's difficult. It's difficult to, to, to see. Because even right now with Alec Burks starting at point guard and Evan, Board, Evan Fournier starting at two, and R.J. Barrett starting at the three. Somebody's somebody's going to be the odd man out, right? Somebody's going to be the odd man out. We we're, we had this stretch of good games with these young guys, with Cam Reddish with the separated shoulder, right? And that's the only way that we really were able to see everybody else. But when Cam Reddish comes back, what do you think happens? So, somebody's going to be the odd man out. So. Anyway, that, 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 that's why one of them needs to get traded or we need to do some roster consolidation outside of those two because I do like those two players, but I also like our young guys and we need to open up some time for them, especially Quentin Grimes, especially Deuce, especially Quickly, especially, and we're going to talk about Quickly. Quickly. You know, like we have too many young guys that we need to see what it is that they can do. And see how how best we can, you know, we can take, we can we can add them to what it is that we have on this roster. So, all that to say, Alec Burke saved this game. First off of a pass from Julius, Alec buried a three pointer to put the Knicks up by four. Mm-hmm. And then in the last possession of the game, after the Pistons cut the game to two. They gave the ball to Cade Cunningham. He tried to fake out Alec Burks. He was getting ready to put the shot up. Alec Burks said, knocked the ball out of his hand, caught it, and that was the game. Game-winning defensive possession by Alec Burks. Not what he's necessarily known for. After a long offensive stretch for the Knicks, because we could not buy a basket at that in that fourth quarter. That that was hard at all. to watch against a at Detroit all. Pistons team that's twenty and fifty-four, bro, at yep. this time. 
Yep. I'm just like, damn. But I'm glad we got that stop from Alec Burks because that was just that that would be a bad way to just go out into the offseason knowing that we losing all these types of games, even at this point in the year against a team that this that that is this bad. But it, it was good to to get this win. I I would have preferred to see this without Julius because I feel like that would have been a much more enjoyable game to watch. But politics, so, I guess, is is going on right now. Knicks win this game one hundred four to one hundred two, and I my main thought at the end of this game was whose call it was to put Julius Randle back in the rotation. Was it Julius's call? Was it Tibbs's call? What was it from? Did somebody in the front office say, yo, you guys are winning too many games. Let's get Julius Randle back in there to muck things up a little bit. Like, I'm very curious to know because it was clear that the last week of games showed that this team is just a lot more cohesive without him. I'm not saying that they're better, but our biggest problems of the season are gone when he's not on the court. And maybe there's going to be new problems, maybe because of who we played against and all that stuff. Maybe the new problems that come without Julius, they haven't shown up yet. But anytime I hear somebody talk about how this team is not going to be better if we trade Julius Randle, it's based on speculation, right? If you if you take Julius Randle out and you put Obi Toppin in, this team is not better because Julius Randle is more talented player. And it's like, yes, that's true. That's not that part is not speculation. But the fact that is this team going to be better without Julius is not true because of that. Like, you have to wonder if the worst things about this team are gone without your best player, and now all of a sudden the game the, the games that you're losing because of the the bad things that happen that happen when he's on the court are now they're suddenly gone. And then you start winning those games. Does that mean that your team is worse? It probably means it probably just means your team is worse as in you are probably going to get further in the playoffs if you have a Julius Randle on your team. But you're probably not good. You're probably going to win less regular season games. And at this point, it's like, well, you kind of have to win the regular season games for a Julius Randle to matter. What do you think? I, 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 I think that they just put him back into the rotation mainly due to the fact that they want to increase his trade value at this point. Okay. I don't think it has anything to do with the concept of this team. Maybe it does. Maybe they view him as someone who can possibly be here after this season. He just had a rough year, but I'm hoping that that's not the case because even without all the extra stuff, I don't see Randall as a, as a great partner for RJ Barrett. Cause even at the beginning of the year, before we saw all the bad body language and all this stuff, or or at least focused on it as much. It just didn't seem like Randall could get it going if someone else had a hot a hot night. And it's Campbell not what was going on for forty points. Randall couldn't get it going. Yep. What you gonna say? 
I was about to say the same thing. It was not. It's not just a R.J. Barrett specific thing. It's anybody, any except except for Evan Fournier. If anybody who was a ball dominant player, if they were getting it going, Julius couldn't. You know, up, up until like really late I'm in the season. Singling out. Yeah, I'm singling out R.J. because we see that he's going to end up being the best player on this team, and. He has that desire to be the best player on his team. He averages the same amount of points as Julius Randle as we speak right now. And Julius Randle is still putting up all-star numbers. It's not like his off year is like 14 point. No, he's, he's still averaging 20, 10, and 5 for the most part. And RJ is going to end up getting to the point where he's going to average in 24, 25 points in this league. Just off the growth that we've just seen year to year. I'm expecting a, a, another high growth year from him next year to the point where he's an all-star. So if you're this front office, you should have him prioritized as who should we be playing RJ around. And I don't see Randu as the best fit for that. I'm curious to see where he could get some type of interest where it makes sense for us to make a trade too, but... At this point, I, I think it's just to increase his trade value, have him have a few good games to end the year, and that's all that it is. It's just politics for me. I'm going to say two quick things before we move on. In response to that theory, if that is the reason, that is a bad reason, and it didn't work, right? It didn't work because it didn't do anything but reinforce everything that we already knew about Julius good and bad right so if you're if you're if you're it if your thought was let's put him out there to increase his trade value yeah you you might have been shooting yourself in the foot doing that so if that was the call it was a bad call it didn't do anything to increase his trade value he looked and you know all indications are that he was still playing with a hurt quad. So if the quad is really a bad, like if that really affected his game and it affects his defense, if that's a real thing, when you took him out, you should have left him out. Right? You don't want to put, if you're going to put him out there to increase his trade value, make sure he's 100%. If he's not 100%, leave him on. So that's point one. Point two is that R.J. Barrett, he's not hes not the double-double threat that Julius Randle is. And as you indicated, they're averaging the same amount of points. And I've been noticing, like, in these, in these last few games when they've played together, like, their field goal attempts and their points have been very similar. Like, and even in this game, R.J. Barrett finished with 21 points on 7 for 18 shooting. 1 for 5 from 3. Julius Randle. 20 points, 7 for 18 shooting, 2 for 5 from 3. They both got to the line 7, 8 times, right? Julius had 7 boards, RJ had 9. Julius had 5 assists, RJ had 1. Both had 2 turnovers. So their stat lines are similar, but when you watch the game, you could see, like, even though they're both left-handed, ball-dominant, you know, players on the wing, 
you have to see the difference in, in what this team looks like offensively when R.J. Barrett is leading the team as opposed to Julius Randle. It's not just the leadership off the court. It's not just the things that he says off the court. It's not just his better decision-making. It's not just, it's not just like all the off-the-court stuff. We talked about it before where just the way R.J. gets into his sets, and you kind of tried to, to argue with me about it, but just the way that everything flows, R.J. does not take as long and does not stop the ball movement as much as Julius Randle does. We have almost three weeks of evidence of looking at the team with Julius, then without Julius, and then with Julius again to see just how different this team plays. R.J. Barrett is on the court at all time during these games, and you just take one piece out of this, out of the ingredients, to see how much different it is. Even Alec Burks plays different when Julius is on the court. So those are my two main things. I'm going to let you go get into this next exciting Bulls game. And, Fresh uh, off the three-game win streak, yeah. the Knicks were up for this matchup against the Chicago Bulls, who for most part of this year has been the top, one of the top Eastern Conference teams. The Bulls were mostly just ahead in the whole first half against the Knicks due to a hot DeMar DeRozan. And after that, it was just over. R.J. Barrett and Alec Burks just caught fire and led this team in the, in the, in the first half. And Randall wasn't having a great scoring night. He, his, his head didn't really seem to be in this game. So he just focused on rebounding and passing the ball the whole game outside of just shooting a bunch of threes. But... RJ Ballack, RJ Barrett and Alec Burks held it down. The Knicks took the lead heading into halftime, continued their strong play into the second half behind a hot third quarter from Burks. Obi Toppin had his best game at the Garden, in my opinion. Finished with 17 points. He was attacking the driving lanes all night long like he normally does, exploiting every matchup, including Zach Levine in the crunch time position with in the fourth quarter with seven minutes to go. Put Zach Levine in the post movement got a hand one, if you remember. The Bulls fought the whole whole way, though. DeRozan, DeRozan in that fourth quarter just lost his mind. He hit in half spin, mid-range jumpers through contact, and one reverse layups. Like, Mitch was down there, and he was, for the most part, Mitch had a great game. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he had, like, six, seven blocks, didn't he? And DeRozan was still getting whatever he wanted. Let me see, hold on. He had three blocks. He had three blocks. He was intimidating Zach Levine anytime he was driving to the paint. But DeRozan was just getting everywhere he wanted. And I just mentioned Zach Levine. He casually poured in 27 points, but it didn't really feel like he had much of an impact on this game outside of scoring. If you remember, I was just, I was just mostly concerned about DeRozan on offense and I mean, on defense, and while we were on while we were on offense, we were mostly just targeting Zach Levine. Whoever was who had that Zach Levine matchup, they was exploiting that. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's the most part I remember about Zach Levine. I look back down the statue. I'm like, yeah, 27. I don't even remember. But the Knicks won this game, four game win streak. The final score was 109-104. Julius Randle received criticism after the game for putting up a careless one for nine performance. Stormed off to the court. Stormed off the court after the game ended, bounced the ball up all high like we lost to some, and he received a bunch of criticism after the game after that. And then I feel like that's the that was the breaking point for most Knicks fans. They were just ready to see him going. What was your takeaway? 
that was not the breaking point for most Knicks fans. <laughs> well, for the for most Knicks fans who held out for him in until that point, let me put it that way. There was a few people that I not a few. There was a lot of people I saw saying like, "Yo, I, I'm I, I've been giving him the the benefit of the doubt. I this this is just too much. I can't take it. He got to go." I I don't know who you are referring to. I'm sure that a couple of people saw that and were like, oh, yeah, I'm completely off Julius. I'm sure that's true. But if you were on the Julius Randle bandwagon up until this game, more than likely you still are because we have had, this ain't new. This ain't unexpected. This ain't, oh, I can't believe he did that. I can't believe. This is season long. This is season long BS, right? It, are we surprised? Are any of us surprised at this point? I said on the last pod, I said, yo, even Ash is like Julius, Julius Randall defender. Yeah. Even she is questioning. Yeah. So if this was, that was before this game. So like, if you were still on it, like, Oh, I can't believe! Yeah, where where have you been all season? For those of you who have switched up, I was I was kind of surprised. I'm thinking he coming back. He we in the middle of a win streak. There's no way he could be upset. Like he's gonna just try to fit in with this unit. He don't want to disrupt this. He don't want to be the reason that they end the losing streak. I mean, end the winning streak. He wanted to be a part of that. He going. I was surprised to see him still running around, acting like. We doing him some room. Clutching my pearls. I couldn't. I, I was shocked. I couldn't believe he was still acting like that. Ah, it was a four game win streak. Come on, I, our playoff hopes were still alive. Shocked? You were shocked. I was. I thought he would try to behave. After you were shocked and appalled. You were. <gasps> He's acting like this after a win. <gasps> that was you. That was you. You know what I was? I was like. <laughs> Sounds about right. Because I bid off him. I told you that. I was off him long before you were. And you were like, nah, nah, nah. And then all of a sudden, guess who comes along to my side of things? And listen, maybe, maybe it's because I'm a type of person who, like, if I, if I happen to fall off my original viewpoint on a person, it's because I believe people deserve a second chance. But if I gave you a second chance and then you go back to showing what my original view of you is, I'm, I'm, that's it. Like my, my first viewpoint on a person is hardly ever wrong. And if you make me go back to my original viewpoint, you're going to have to work a lot harder for me to get off that. So, you know, that's what it is, right? I'm sitting here. While I'm recording to you, I have a picture of my father right here. And I told you in this podcast before that the fact that this was my father's favorite player, our father's, my and your favorite father's, our father's favorite player. And then to see him just completely spit in the face of last season, which was a bringing together point as Knicks fans for all of us as a family. And to see him act and play and do the shit that he's done this season. I made me beside myself. I didn't even want to go like, it's very difficult for me to go 
the depth that I would love to go to on this podcast about how sickened I am by the fact that this dude, Julius Randle, had me in this point where I was so supportive of him coming into the season, right? With the Players' Tribune, with him saying all of the words, with him trying to argue with the refs less, with him just with him taking the pay cut that he took because he could have he could have bent this over a barrel if he really wanted to right and these are all things that at the end of the day i'm very thankful for you know with julius Randle. obviously it was a point in time of his life where his mentality was was at its best point but if that if that's not you that's not you right so he he tried to bend and and twist himself into a person that he obviously he's not obviously he's not that person he wanted to be the player that he was last season and it must have been so much easier for him when there's no fans out in the stands there's no there's no there's no nothing to be worried about you know and then as stands start as fans started trickling back in his game started to suffer and you know you were like nah i don't think that's what it is that's what i don't think that's what it is and a bunch of people still agree with that viewpoint but I've said on this podcast, he has to prove that that's not the case. But I ain't going to lie, that's, he basically admitted that that was the case. That fans, we're going to get into it later. We're going to get into it. Yeah. We're going to get into it. But that, but that's, that's, that's what it is. That's, that, that's the only thing that I could see is a real difference, right? It's a real difference. And this dude had the fans behind him. Like there's no like if you can't if you can't separate that when the fans are behind you the way that they were in that playoff series and the way that they were leading up to the playoffs and the way that they were coming into this season if you can't say this is who I'm going to be and that is it off of that if you can't change yourself off of that then that then that's it you 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 were never that player you I'm sorry that you kind of shot yourself in the foot trying to be somebody that you're not but. You know, it happens. And hopefully you can figure it out somewhere that is not New York. Somewhere that is the expectations are a lot, you know, less. So I know this, we've talked a lot less about the games and a lot more about, you know. <laughs> the games are mostly all happening the same way. Yeah. It's mostly yeah. the stuff happening after the game and off the court. That's the most interesting right now. So we're going we gonna to just address it's, it's just. Did, did, did we go into his stats from that Bulls game? He had five points, y'all. So, so I don't know if that's why he was so upset at the end of the win, but he had five points, one for nine shooting, zero for four from three, three for six from the free throw line. He did have 13 rebounds. You know, clap it up for that. Four assists. It's also very good. Three turnovers, one block. And the Knicks got the win, but he was unhappy. You... Make it make sense why. All right. Are we moving on to the next game, friend? Let's go. Let's go on to the next game. Four game winning streak heading back to the garden to face the Hornets. Tell us how that plays out. <sighs> well, not well, French. Not well. So, that was, we had a, a, a four game winning streak as a result of that Chicago Bulls game. The first four game win streak of the entire season. And a point in time where it almost does not matter. And three of them came without our best player. 
No, RJ Barrett played in all those games. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so four-game win streak. The only four-game win streak this season. The only four-game win streak that I expect that we'll have all season. And we come into the Hornets game looking for five. And this game played out like a game that the Knicks really had no intention of winning. And that was led by our star player, Julius Randle. Not to say that they didn't play hard. Not to say that this wasn't a close game, because it was. After an early lead by the Hornets, the Knicks were able to take the lead for a while in the first quarter. But the defense, yeah. You know how, like, when we were playing very well, the defense was always on point, and, like, guys were running and getting and being where they were supposed to be, and that was not this game. This, this was how the Knicks have looked pretty much for the, a lot of the season, right? The defense just, it, it was there when it kind of needed to be, but otherwise it wasn't there. Just poor defense throughout. Hornets came out, executed their offense from start to finish, scoring on easy lanes to the basket, multiple pass plays, multiple assists, overall lazy effort from the Knicks on D. Didn't take long for New Orleans to take a lead in the second quarter. But the young Knicks with, I don't think we mentioned Quentin Grimes. Quentin Grimes has been out, right? Quentin Grimes, I, I believe he went out. I noticed. I believe he went out before the first game against the Pistons. Yes, actually, the game that Julius Randle came back in was the game was the first game that Quentin Grimes was out for. So, Quentin Grimes has been out after coming back with the dislocated patella. He's had knee soreness, and this is the third game that he has not not played. Hopefully, that's not you know an indicator for anything bad for him. Hopefully, he's able to come back. Let, let him rest that knee, let him rehab, let him do what he has to do. But the young Knicks with no grimes were able to keep it manageable in, that, in, in the second quarter. Right. Still a single-digit game while in the first half, at the end of the first half. Second half, mostly the Knicks trying to keep the game close with the Hornets led by Miles Bridges and LaMelo Ball increasing the lead to double digits. In the fourth quarter, though, who else... Who else but Emmanuel Quickly led a charge that brought the Knicks to within two? Now, we haven't really talked about Emmanuel Quickly so far this pod. But I can't remember a game that Quickly did not have his fingerprints on in the fourth quarter in, in the last however many games. Am I wrong about that? Was there a game that I, like, was there any game where it was like the fourth quarter, Emmanuel Quickly didn't either lead the charge or have some sort of really amazing play, either get into the paint or from the three-point line to keep the Knicks in it or to give the Knicks a win? No, every game he's had every stretches game. in the fourth quarter, he literally would be the best player on the Knicks. All right. He I, would dominate right? the game so, for stretches at a time during the fourth quarter. So, quickly led a charge that brought the Knicks to within two after they went up by double digits. Then with five minutes remaining, Emmanuel quickly was subbed out for Evan Fournier. And we never got that close. We never got to, two, to within two. We never tied the game. Game is over. Knicks lose 125-114 to 
Miles Bridges completely dominating Julius Randle and the New York Knicks. So, thanks for fixing that. The either Tibbs is trying to get fired, or he and Julius put on the Tech Commander hats to ensure that we lost this game. This was a very important game, right? Because Hornets were one of the two teams that we needed to catch if we wanted to make it to the play-ins. Losing to them basically guaranteed that we would never catch the Hornets because we, we, our magic number with the Hornets was two. One Hornets win, one Knicks loss in one game. Yeah, we're not catching the Hornets after this one. And then the Atlanta Hawks, it was three. I think they had won a game before this, so that made it two. So the next Hawks win mm -hmm. would knock us completely out of play in contention. It's a very important game. And the Knicks did not play as such. So that was one thought. And I shouldn't put it entirely on Tibbs, although it's very, from what we see, that's the person that you have to look at and go to, right? Because he's the one making the subs, right? Manny quickly has less minutes in the game than Alec Burks at the point that he gets subbed out. Why are we subbing him out, right? Is it to bring Evan Fournier back in who had an amazing game? Okay, why do we sub quickly out? Quickly is the driver. Quickly has been the driver. Quickly won us that Miami game that made us be like, hold up, wait a minute, we might have found something here. He's been doing it this entire time. And as much as I've been shouting, yo, we need to start quickly, we need to start quickly. The fact that he's finishing games, I'm happy about. But you're still not giving him the minutes that, you're not Derek Rosing Emmanuel quickly. Right. Remember, Derek Rose used to get the bulk of the minutes while Alfred Payton used to start and, and would not get the bulk of the minutes. We're not doing that. Right. Even though. Derek Rose. Out of all the players on this team who have been important to us, he probably should not be getting the bulk of minutes. He needs to be getting half or less. Right. Quickly doesn't have suffered from that problem. Quickly can't quickly is young. We can put him out there for damn near 48 minutes if we need to. He's not the one who needs a breather. Alec Burks needs a breather, if anything, right? And Alec Burks was the guy that you should have subbed out. Alec Burks is the guy who played like trash in this game. And, it, yeah, I just don't, I didn't understand that. And the only thing that makes sense to me was we were trying to lose this game. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. What about you, French, before I move on to the next point? It just makes sense. Quickly has been on a stretch of playing so well. He's been getting 30 plus minutes every other game. This game, he only gets 23. Now, Brad only gets nine minutes. Obi gets 12. It, it was just, I, I didn't understand. I understand Evan Fournier is having a great game. I understand, like, like, I don't, I, I, what I don't understand is just why. Things can't just be steady and stable with the rotations. I don't if care about Quickly's having stable. a great stretch. Why can't he just continue? <laughs> I want it to be stable in the sense where if you're having a great game, you stay in the game. But if you have several game, get great games in a row, you get an increased role in rotation. 
that's what he's been preaching all year, right? But Obi Toppin getting 12 minutes after the stretch that he's been on, quickly getting only 23 after the stretch he's been on. Deuce, nine minutes because he missed two shots. It's just, I, I, I don't understand. I feel like Charlotte was an up-tempo type of team that you need young players in to match the energy. You don't need these old vets playing 40 minutes like Alec Burks. Burks, he can't keep up with a Mouse Bridges. Julius Randle has not shown the inkling of showing any type of energy for more than two quarters all year. He's not keeping up with Miles Bridges. And you see Miles Bridges is cooking you. He's 11 for 15 from the field, 4 for 4 from 3. You need an adjustment. And I'm not saying that playing quickly and Deuce McBride is going to be the adjustment that you need, but switch something up because clearly what you're doing ain't working. But it must have been so just guarantee that we don't make the play in. Tank commanders. That I left out last game after the game. What's up? After last game. There was a, a a little fake, I don't know if it was a fake report, but there was a rumor that they were speaking about Julius Randle requesting a trade. How did and after this that? game, he addressed it. So that's my alley-oop to you to come back in with what Julius Randle was talking about in that post game after this loss. It's embarrassing. Well, let's talk more about that report because that report did come before the Hornets game. And it wasn't really a report, right? It was a show, was it Carton something? Whatever, I can't remember the name of the show. Not really widely respected, although some people have said, you know, the stuff that, that the guy comes out with and says has been proven true. Even though he has kind of a maligned history, he came out and said, after that Knicks game, some people in the front office saw how Julius Randle was reacting. They went to check on him. And he indicated that he was done. And he's he's done as a Nick. All that stuff. And since Twitter, Nick's Twitter into frenzy. Right? Everybody trying to validate, trying to see if it's true, if it's not true, whatever, whatever. And let me just say, as far as I'm aware, to this point, we have had no seriously confirmed sources that Julius Randle wants to be traded. But at the same time, we also have not had any strong inklings that by his actions, that this report isn't true. Correct. You move and to strict of how he's appearing, that's how it appears. And you see how he's playing in these games. Maybe we can blame it on the quad. And if it is the quad, then whatever. I just want to, before I get into this into this post game. I just wanted to say, I think we need to go with my tank commander theory because I took a look at the stats. The guy who shot four for 15 and had the most turnovers on the roster Wait. played the most minutes in this game. And 13 <laughs> of those shots out of the 15 were all from three. So tank commander tips anyway maybe he got a direction from the front office maybe not but i i don't think that they were trying to win this game they watching march madness they see what's going on so after the game we had two 
two post-game interviews. One of them was Julius Randle. And he was directly asked about this report that he wants to leave, that he has to be traded. Even Mark Berman had an article saying that his actions seem to indicate that he is trying to leave the James Harden way, which is, I'm going to say I don't want to be traded. But every indication on and off the court will tell you that you need to get me up out of here and I will cost you games if you keep me here. To which he said, no, it's not true at all. I want to be here. I love New York. I understand what it is. I understand that it's tough to be here. I understand that it's tough to play here. It's difficult, especially when my son has to leave games because fans are, are booing his dad and so on and so forth. And he's upset. And as a father, it makes me upset. But it's part of the game. And I understand that. And blah, 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 blah. We're, 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 gonna, we're not going to do what we did last week, although I did think about it. I, I, could, play, I could play the clip for y'all. And I could, in, I could include the clip for the podcast, but I'm not going to because it's, it's a waste of everyone's time, honestly. We, unless he was going to say in the interview, which we knew he wasn't, that he wants to be traded. I really don't care about what he has to say. I understand as a father how that must feel, right, to see your kid upset. And it's because of these people that you don't know who know nothing about you because they take a game so seriously and it's upsetting your son. And I understand how that could make you feel. But if you were the player that you were last year, you wouldn't have to worry about that. Or not excusing. Played with the energy that you played with last year. Not exactly. I'm not talking about stats. I'm just talking about it, it, your spirit, your spirit, your, your actions, your persona, everything. I don't care about the stats. I, like I said, give like, put this man in the rafters for taking a pay cut because he didn't have to, right? And nobody expected him to play the way that he did last season. And if he didn't, that's okay, fine. You're getting paid for the guy that we expect you to be. Even though you could have asked to get paid for the guy that you have already shown yourself to be in a fanless audience, in a fanless arena. Right? You could have asked to get paid like that and you would have fleeced us. But it's, it, whatever. We already talked about that. All you have to do is be the leader that you claim that you wanted to be. And all you have to do is put forth the effort on the court that you claim that you wanted to do. And if you're dinged up and all that stuff and it's preventing you from doing that, take some days off, man. Take some days off. Don't hurt your team. You have nobody to blame but yourself. It's not Knicks fans' fault. And, and this is not to excuse. I was going to say that earlier. It's not to excuse some of the bullshit that is coming out there from Knicks fans because there's a lot of bullshit out there. But that's part of the territory. Part of the territory. You got to accept the love with the hate. That's what you signed up for. So, this right here is where we're probably going to see the last of Randall because after the game, Tibbs said that he's going to be out for this game against the Cavaliers 
and he's possibly going to be out for the remainder of the season with this right quad tendon strain injury. We didn't even talk about what Tip said in the post game. He was he was directly asked about that too, and he gave the most non-answer answer. That's Tibbs. Good time. Oh man, you know if there was nothing to it, Tibbs would say that there's nothing to it though. Right? Am I right or am I wrong? That's what he normally says. He, he's been asked directly about Julius multiple times. And he will talk about the team. He will talk about the energy of the game. He'll talk about the team wanting to play together and all this stuff. Nothing about Randall specifically. Right? It, it's just interesting. If there's nothing to it, if there's absolutely nothing to it, and I'm still not sure if there is, but if there's absolutely nothing to it, I'm pretty sure Tibbs would say something that would, I don't know, give us a bit of clarity. But there's no clarity there. So, also, before we get into the Cavs game, I don't know if you saw it, but there was something out there where they posted a picture, the Knicks did, posted a picture of Obi and RJ and called them the future. You saw that? It was. Also lends, cre also lends credence to, and maybe they are trying to get Julius Randle up. All right, let's get to that Cavs game. That that's all I be wanting to see. Just give me a little inclination of what the offseason plans are, and I'm all over it. But to get to this Cavaliers game, Randall wasn't the only Nick that was going to be out for this game. There's no Deuce McBride and no Quentin Grimes either. I mean, both were out with minor knee injuries, and the Knicks were officially eliminated from playoff contention the day before because the Atlanta Hawks beat. It be, that, be, they be, doesn't matter. And doesn't matter. By 40 well, points. We out. We got eliminated. And the first game we play, guess who's starting at point guard? You guessed it. Alec Burks is still starting at point guard, even though the Knicks are eliminated from postseason contention. And from the beginning of this game, the Knicks just appeared to be a step slow, possibly due to the fact that it was an early start at 1 p.m. RJ, even though he was attacking the driving lanes well within the offense, within plays, he got a lot of open looks, but he did miss a lot of layups. Never really could get his rhythm going. Obi Toppin was the most consistent Nick, the most aggressive Nick on the floor, showed off some impressive handles, demonstrated throughout both halves that he's, he's, he's ready to be a consistent starter, needs to tighten up on defense, and then he's, I feel like he's got that position shored up next season. Cleveland pretty much had control of the game though. Each quarter, we we just didn't match the talent on their team. Darius Garland was wilding them up the whole game. Moving fast, hitting floaters, knocking down threes. They were they 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 were just too overpowered for us. Moses Brown came in, had 16 points, 13 rebounds against Mitch, who only had two rebounds, seven points. Larry Markin and almost had a double double down there too. Obi finished the game with the team high and his career high, 20 points and four assists. Really encouraging play alongside Emmanuel Quickly, who had a near triple-double with 17.7 rebounds, seven assists. The Knicks lose this game, though. 119 to 101 behind the master class from Darius Garland, who put up 24 and 13. But we, we, we I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you 
paid attention when Archie Diakono came into the game, but I liked the minutes that I saw from him. He was the only one that seemed to put up, well, not not any, not the most, but he 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 was definitely giving. He got his hands. He he disrupted his momentum. Yeah, he was getting his hands dirty. He was playing some pesky, annoying defense that we mostly see from McBride and Grimes, but just not on the same level. Fournier played well. The team looked like they were saving energy for this game that's coming up next, which we're not going to be able to cover because it's happening like right now. But it looked like they were saving energy last night. What about you? What was your takeaways from this game? It was such a nothing game for me. I tried to remain interested in this game. But when you're playing Alec Burks and Evan Fournier and Taj Gibson and Ryan Archidiakono, half of the minutes. Sure, don't do that to Archie. I don't care. <laughs> and he did play. Uh, let me let me just say, I do like his energy. I do like the way that he played. I do like, you know, I like the minutes that he, he provided us out there. But, uh, yeah, I, he, he is supposed to be, the game is out of hand. Let's pull out Ryan. That, 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 that's when I want to see him. I don't want to see him get regular minutes, right? And I wanted to see Deuce. Deuce didn't play. I wanted to see Sims get more than 15 minutes. He didn't. Yes, he did. He played 16 minutes. Oh, according to according to my according to my stats, he only got 15. If he got 16, very it's still not enough. Right? He got less than Taj Gibson, right? Yeah, he did. That's a no-go. But what they what Tibbs uh justification for that is he's playing Taj. Basically at, at the four. That that was his justification. Tom is basically four. When you have Julius Randle starting, Julius Randle gets 38 to 40 minutes. Obi Toppin got 30. So that's a bullshit answer. Right? That's a bullshit answer. Yeah. Taj Gibson got 24 minutes. I'm just a messenger. And the only thing that I can, that can, that soothes my soul, kind of, but not really, is that he knows that if he plays these guys more minutes, the Knicks are going to win. And he doesn't want the Knicks to win, or somebody doesn't want the Knicks to win. So play Alec Burks, play Taj Gibson, play Evan Fournier as many minutes as you can. And he, he could, I, I guarantee you, if Alec Burks didn't foul out, he would have, he would have top 30. Why he's still starting beyond me. But the only thing I can think of, we got the tech commander hats on. We, 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 that's it. We're trying to lose every game. And how do you lose every game? Don't ignore the fact that this was, this was RJ's worst game in a long time, too. Yeah, it is. It, no, no, no. I, that is definitely a reason. But I'm fine with RJ having the worst game of the season. I'm just talking about everything else. RJ had a terrible game en route to 12 points. But Obi didn't have a terrible game. So why are he only getting 30? And, and then this is the, these are the things where it's like, I, I'm not interested, right? 
like all the stuff from all season and I get it. I got, I understood. I understood. I understand the coach, right? I understand why he does some of the things that he does. I understand that he, he says things that maybe it's bullshit, but there's history that he follows that he's, he trusts more than anything else. That's the coach we got, right? I get it. The reason why many Knicks fans are screaming to fire this dude is because we're not seeing what we want to see. And we're at a point now where we should be able to see what we want to see. We should be seeing Obi play Julius Randle minutes. We should be seeing Emmanuel quickly starting. We should be seeing more of Deuce. Like, it is, that's what it is. We already see enough of RJ. We already see enough of Mitch. We need to see more of Jericho Sims. So the fact that we didn't get to see that against the Cavs after we've already been not officially knocked out of playoff contention, the only thing that kind of keeps me from, like, rolling my eyes over and over and yelling at Thibodeau is the fact that I think that we're trying to, we're still in that we can get to nine, we can get to eight as far as the probability odds for the the lottery. We already we were at twelve, I think, at one point, and we knocked after our loss, after our two losses, we 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 came down to ten. Matter of fact, let me go pull up Tankathon right now so I can see where we at. But you know, I would rather be nine, eight, nine, ten than eleven, twelve. You you feel me? Ten. Like ten. Right. Actually, I don't even want to be ten. But we were at twelve. 12, your, your percentage of getting the top four is 7.1. At 10, you're, you're at least in double digits with 11.7%. We're tied with Washington. I think that the Knicks think that they could get down to eight. And they still can, right? They could still battle it out with the Lakers for that, for that pick, eighth pick probability. Which gets them to 26.3% chance at a top four pick. I don't, we don't need number one. We just need top four. That's what we need. Top four, get us top four. We in there like swimwear. I just did the sim lottery like 18 times. We stayed at 10 at least 16 of those times. And I just finally got in the top three. I mean, the way that, the way that this joint works, it, it's random as hell, right? I, I did it one time when we were at 12. The first time I clicked it, we had num the number one seat. We had the number one pick. And then when I did it the last time, I did it about 25 times that we never got higher than 12 in any of the times that I did it, right? At least when I had, when it was an 8, 9, 10, there was a lot, there was a lot more movement, I felt like, when, when, we, when I did the sim simulation. Whereas when you get underneath 10, that, you're more likely not moving. Or you might even move down. So... Right now, we're in an okay spot. I would still like to see us get to eight, nine, somewhere around there. Eighth, the eighth, eighth pick in the draft, or the, you know, if you are, if you are, have the eighth worst record, 26.3% chance at a top four. That's, that's a lot better than 11.7, right? You're, you're a lot closer to some of these other teams. Yeah, the top the top three still have a better than fifty percent chance to get in the, to stay in the top four, but 
you know, uh, just you have nothing to play for at this point. Do what you got to do. Lose these last few games. Try to try to overtake the Lakers. Try to overtake the Spurs. And then let's see where we finish. Actually, number I think pick number seven. It has probably the most historical evidence of you will move up from that spot. But we're not getting to seven. So we got to do eight, nine, ten. Not 11, 12, please. All right. Are we done with uh, Cavs? Um, Cavs, the game just looked like it started. So we're going to have to speed up this ending so we don't miss too much of this magic game. Okay. Um, I don't know. The tank, the tank commander idea. I hope that's the case because I ain't going to lie. Every prospect in the top 10, I like. So <laughs> if we could guarantee getting in this top 10, hopefully the top four, I I, I just want to, I just want to see it happen. But I just want, I mean, um, nah, I ain't going to lie. There's a, there's a few players. I like, I like Paolo. No, Chero. They are. Love I feel like he's the best player in this draft. Hands down. I think he's going to be the best prospect to come out this draft if he could um, stay healthy. But Jabari Smith is nice. Like, bro. No, there's, there's some players. Sharp. Yeah, there's some players here. But I these, these, I, like the, I really want Ivy. Room. I really want Ivy. I'm not saying that if we don't get Ivy, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not gonna be happy. There are other players that if we can't get Ivy, I'm definitely in on. But I'm Ivy Hive until I know that we can't get a top four pick. A lot of people are out on Tata Washington. I still, I still feel like he's gonna be. I'm, I'm kind of out on him coming to the NBA. I just feel like he had a injury. I'm kind of out on him too. He back from injury, he just didn't have the same step. But he gonna, he, he gonna wake people up when he come back into the, into the NBA, into the draft. Because I feel like he was, he was doing a lot of good things. I like. Mm-hmm. He's by, he's, he's definitely the best point guard in the draft. We could agree on that, right? Yeah, Actually, but before I even say that, let me do more research because I don't even I I haven't even seen too many point guards in this draft. I I was just listening to other podcasts. There might be I I have to read or listen to it. There might be somebody else who actually is better as a point guard. From everything that I've heard, Ty Ty is a lot like quickly. There are certain things that quickly doesn't do well that he does well, and vice versa. But out, outside of that, they're kind of a similar player. And we don't need that. We don't need that on this team. We need we need a guy like Ivy who can get to the rim, which is why it's like I really want Ivy. Like, give me a guy, give me a guard, you know, or a big guard or something like that. Somebody who can get to the rim. Somebody who can who can bend the defense. Somebody who can help out RJ. Somebody who can hit the three. Right? He checks all those. He checks all those boxes. He checks all of them. So. So I don't think, I that's don't think the, we should get our hopes up for I, I don't think we should get our hopes up for any of those dudes. Like any one of those top four guys, like I say I'm I want really want Ivy, but that's just because of what he brings that we don't have. Right? That's the only reason. I want, but any of those other guys, <laughs> any of those other guys, they all started on this team. They all are. Paolo so Jabari Parker, Paolo, Chet, all of them are great. Right, I would love all of them on this team with Julius gone. Right, I would love all of them, but I would love to see Chet and Mitch play next to each other. Right, I don't think it's gonna happen, but I would love to see it. I would love to see them try. 
or, you know, check come off the bench behind Mitch until uh, or whatever, right? But all for all those guys, those are all the picks. Like, if we decide that we're going to pick somebody over 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 Ivy, I'll be fine with it because they're all good. And some of them probably are better than Jaden Ivy. It's just that Ivy gives us another look on this team that we do not have, that we desperately need, especially with Derrick Rose out. So, so that you know, once we get past those guys, there are other guys that I would love to have on this team too, just not on a different kind of level. But, you know, and I would love to see how how they would make the team better. But... We're gonna talk. We're gonna have our 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 draft pods, you know, probably in a few weeks. Draft episode. Yeah, just to just to see, you know, who we're looking at, who we like, who you know, just like we did last last year. We'll we'll get into that. We'll get into some guys leading up to the draft lottery. Anyway, unless you got something else you want to say, French. Before we close this thing out, we still got yeah, to do predictions. Let's get into predictions before we close this thing out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So last week, French finally got a win. Clap it up for him. Come on now. Clap it up for him. This is what I do. This is what I do. Clap it up for him. French got a win. Predict the Knicks would go two and two. Two and two, so he will choose predictions first this week. Go ahead, French. Oh, before we get into that, Knicks will play the Magic as they, they're playing the Magic actually right now as we record. Brooklyn Nets and the Washington Wizards. French, what are your predictions? So, since I, you know, won last week so convincingly, I feel like I should just go ahead and just give my prediction now quickly so everyone knows who to gamble on this week. My fingers are crossed. Please do not take my bets and then sue me if you shit don't fall through. But I'm going to go two and one this week. I think we're going to take this Magic game. We're going to fall to the Nets, and we're going to take that Wizards game. Okay. Now it's not quick at all. I predict that the Knicks will go one and two. And, yeah, I, I don't know who they're going to lose to. I have a sneaking suspicion that Tibbs, the tank commander, will rear his head again, probably against the Wizards, definitely against the Nets. I wouldn't even be surprised if they lost against the Magic, although I hope not. But one and two is my prediction. All right, French, anything you want to plug, anything you want to recommend at the end of the show? I got a show that I'm actually watching right now. This is my first recommendation that I have not finished watching before I brought it to the show. I figured off the first two episodes of me watching so far, I can't go wrong with this one. I love this show already so far. So I'm already hooked. It's a 10 episode lighthearted storyline and it's following a little mature kid, four year old who lives in his own apartment. He, it's a little anime series i believe if i'm not mistaken it says once one season on netflix a really fun watch so far the name of the show is kataro lives alone look that up it you, you might feel like it's a kid's show but it's it it definitely kept me entertained i watched this by myself you can watch this with kids it's definitely a lighthearted type of show that you can watch around kids then they'll they'll enjoy it and you will enjoy it probably more than they would so 
I thoroughly enjoyed each of the first two episodes. I, I'm starting to watch uh, episode three now. So that's my recommendation for y'all to hold y'all off until maybe next week. Take some time to catch up. I give it to you. All right. Back on I, your terms now. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I don't have anything for, for this week. And we need to start watching this game. So, once again, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. Make sure y'all hit that like, hit that subscribe. Make sure y'all comment if you have anything that you want to suggest, you want to tell us, you want to ask us. Go ahead and do that in the YouTube or do that wherever it is that you listen to the podcast. Once again, thank you for listening to The Mixtape Podcast. The Mixtape Podcast. The Mixtape Podcast. Peace. That intro music was Broadway Boo by Gotti B, formerly known as Bugatti Blade. You can find us on Twitter at The Knicks Take. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Thank you for listening.